Thanks for joining us at Keys for SLPs, opening new doors for speech-language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan, a weekly audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals, patients, and caregivers to discuss therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners from young innovators to pioneers in the field as we discuss a variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Each episode of Keys for SLPs has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. We are offering an audio course subscription special coupon code to listeners of this podcast. Type the word keys for $20 off. With hundreds of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it's only $59 per year with a code word keys. Visit speechtherapypd.com and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Welcome to this episode of Keys for SLPs. Keys to Improvisation to Improve Communication. I am your host, Mary Beth Hines. My friend and colleague, Jennifer Gray, will be co-hosting this episode. Jennifer is an SLP dedicated to work with individuals with Down syndrome. Before we get started, we have a few items to mention. Here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. I receive compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com for hosting this podcast. No relevant non-financial disclosures exist. Jennifer Gray is the co-host and receives compensation for this presentation from SpeechTherapyPD.com. She is self-employed at Connected Speech and Gray's Peak Speech Services. She is also a trainer for LSVT Loud. No relevant non-financial relationships exist. Rob Snow is a creator of the Improvineer Method. He serves as the chief executive and co-director. Rob receives an honorarium from speechtherapypd.com for this presentation. No relevant non-financial relationships exist. Nick Doyle receives an honorarium from speechtherapypd.com for this presentation. No relevant non-financial relationships exist. And now we welcome our guests today, Rob Snow and Nick Doyle. We are so happy to have you on Keys for SLPs to talk about improving communication through learning improvisation. Jennifer and I met you at the National Down Syndrome Congress Convention this year, and we're so excited about your work, and we want to share it with other SLPs. So thank you for being here. Rob Snow is a native Ohioan. He moved to Chicago and began his career in comedy and improvisation in the late 90s at the famed Second City Theater, as well as Improv Olympic and the Annoyance Theater. In 2000, Rob, quote unquote, gave up comedy for the serenity of the quote unquote real world. He married his wife, Ellen, and they had their first son, Charlie. In 2009, the Snows moved back to Ohio, and Rob decided to give comedy a shot again, performing open mics and guest sets while he traveled for his day job. Also in that year, Rob and Ellen had their second son, Henry, who was born with Down syndrome. The merger of Rob's passion for comedy and the love for his son has paved his path ever since. 
In 2011, Rob created his first of three one-man shows, which he continues to perform nationally. The Snows also founded Stand Up for Downs, a nonprofit dedicated to enhancing the lives of those with developmental disabilities through humor. In 2017, Rob created the Improvenier Method. He serves as the chief executive and still rolls up his sleeves to co-direct when the team allows him. Nick Doyle is from Canton, Ohio. Love all these Ohioans. And he is the original Improvenier cast member who quickly established himself as the big brother and leader of the troupe. Through his dedication to the craft, he quickly became a standout performer and has become a vital part of the success of the Improvenier method. Nick serves as an assistant director for online and live Improvenier Method classes, as well as a sales associate, helping promote and sell programs at conferences nationally. He also continues performing with the original Improveneers around the country. In addition, Nick is currently performing a one-man show called Unleashing the Big Dog around the country. Nick serves as a board member of the nonprofit Stand Up for Downs, as well as Gigi's Playhouse in Canton. He also works as a host at Applebee's Restaurant. Nick's hobbies include bringing joy to everything that comes into his path. So welcome again, Robin, Nick. I know that was a long introduction, but since most people listening tonight on speechtherapypd.com don't know you, I wanted to make sure that they got a lot of information about your background. So welcome. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Yes. All right. So first question is for Rob. Will you tell us about your journey that led you to the Improvenier Method? Yeah, it was a journey. I mean, you said a lot of it in the bio. I started doing stand-up comedy and improvisation at Second City in Chicago and then doing clubs and things like that. I did that about for about three or four years. And then, yeah, basically gave it up for about eight or nine years. And then we moved to Medina, had Henry, our second son with Down syndrome. And I, just, I kept doing comedy and, and things. But then at some point, I did develop this one-man show about raising a child with special needs and the commonalities you know, we share and some of the challenges, but it was mostly a funny show with some poignant notes in it. I, I started speaking around the country and I, I spoke at a lot of conferences and I saw a lot of different organizations that were doing great things for the world of Down syndrome. And I came home and, you know, told my wife all about these, these different organizations. And I said, you know, I want to do more. And she said, yes, let's do this. And so we created Stand Up for Downs, which was really just meant to put on comedy events to raise money for different Down syndrome related causes and organizations. And so we did that for about five years, raised a good amount of money, all through humor. And then in 2018, I was visiting a friend in Detroit. So about three hours from my house. And she was pregnant with triplets at the time, along with two other daughters who were both under the age of three. So you all can gasp at that. And so and they all ended up being uh, girls, she got five girls. But I said to her, she used to do improvisation too. And I said, what would you want to do right now if you weren't going to be doing this for the next 30 years of your life or whatever? And she said, I always wanted to teach improvisation to people with special needs. And I go, wow, you know, why is that? And she said, oh my gosh, imagine the possibilities. And then it just all started hitting me. And I started getting very angry because I was like, how did I not think of this? Like I was, <laughs> I was in Second City, I have no improv. Like I, how did I not? So after a generous agreement between us, she she gladly gave me the, the idea and said, please run with it. I'm not doing anything. And I just, I went home from Detroit that day, those three hours and just 
I never turned on the radio. I just listened to what was going on in my mind. And it was like, wow, these benefits, you know, that you can do through improvisation, what that can do for my Henry. It all starts with that, right? How does it affect my Henry? And so many other individuals, of course. And so that that's how we got the idea. That's how it all kind of came to us. Well, that's great. So from there, how long was it between that day and when you started your first troupe? Yeah, well, it was, so we started doing it monthly, just once a month at a local place called Gigi's Playhouse. You may have heard of that terrific organization and it really set up perfectly because I think all the Gigi's Playhouses are actually built with stages in them. So they have this idea of performing. And this was specific to Down syndrome. I had kept it there initially because that was, you know, my wheelhouse, you know, at this point, Henry was, you know, nine or nine at the time. So we had learned from his teachers how to teach from therapy, from his speech therapist, from his occupational therapist. So we had learned how to kind of create this sort of scaffolding method of teaching. I worked with another individual who I knew who was a comic that had done a number of our shows and also had a background in improvisation. And he had helped, he helped me kind of get this all off the ground. And so we just did it once a month. And honestly, it was like probably... We probably did that for about seven months in a row. And we did it for about three hours every once every month. And I almost immediately saw differences. It was just incredible. And one thing, <laughs> I was in an airport. This is the big, like, wow, this really works kind of thing. I was in an airport and the site coordinator at Gigi's Playhouse had called me and said, you need to hear this story. I was just over at Tony's house and Tony was an individual who was taking the classes. Tony had a dual diagnosis of autism and Down syndrome. And so he really just said three words. He said, Tony, Tiger, and yeah. And just those three words. And he was so great. He was so, let's just amiable. And he loved the classes, but really that's, it's about all we could get out of Tony other than some different kind of emotions and things. But she said, I was just at Tony's house and he came to the door and he gave me a hug which right away was not something that Tony did. And he started talking to me. And I said, what do you mean talking? <laughs> and she said, he started telling me, Tony want to be actor, Tony, Tony perform in Cleveland, Tony go to Playhouse Square, Tony, I mean, words, lots of words. And the parents came and she said, what is going on with Tony? And the mom just said, it's that class. He can't stop talking about this class. And I'm, of course, you know, trying to find a corner somewhere in the Charlotte airport to just be in a, just start bawling because it was literally <laughs> the first time that I realized the impact of this program. So it was that moment that I, or after that, that I said, we have to do this bigger. And then I said, what would happen if I auditioned a troupe that was very committed, a bit more advanced? I will say that I was looking for a little bit more advanced in the individuals, to be honest, because I wanted to start there. I knew I, I needed to approach all individuals or this program needed to be there for all individuals. But I did audition a, a team and I think 30 people auditioned and 10 made it and they became the Improvineers. It's the name we gave them, kind of the dual meaning of, you know, pioneering the new realm of, of improvisation and learning. And they were the world's first all Down syndrome improv, improv troupe. Oh, that is great. And thank you for sharing that story about Tony, yeah, too. So, Nick, you were part of that troupe. Where were some of the places that you all performed? We performed 
all over Northeast Ohio. We performed all over the country. You name it. I can't name them all because because we been to everywhere. And well, we did uh, St. Louis, Nick. We did St. Louis. We've been to Michigan. We've been to Michigan. We've been to Illinois. We've been to Orlando, Orlando, Florida. We've been to I mean, yeah, California. (laughs) He wasn't kidding. He said everywhere. Yeah. Wow. You you definitely hit the coast. And what type of places do you perform? Are you in comedy clubs or are you performing at special events? I wish I was doing my own comedy and I wish I was in a comedy club doing this, but that's a theme of mine. But we practice for one hour at a local theater in Akron at Bellevue Playhouse. And that's where and that's where we first started. That's right. Yes. But bigger theaters, I mean, to answer the original question, it was it's it was really anywhere, you know, any events that would have us. We did a lot of galas and you know, fundraising events. We still do. Been down there to Cincinnati a few times to perform and just, you know, really anywhere. I mean, it's been it's been interesting that the the types of places I have to really get the whole technical requirements set before we do this, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's great. All right. And then things have changed a little bit since COVID, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So, so Nick, for you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? <sighs> yes. I love playing music. I love working out. I'm a coach at Midnight City CrossFit. I love to stay fit. I love to stay healthy. I love to spend time with my mom and dad but mainly spending time with Rob and his family as well. And I get to hang out with my buddies. I wish my sister Olivia was here, but I love spending time with her as well. And I miss her, di- and I miss her dearly. She, okay. she, she's the baby in the family, but she lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. She's a makeup artist. She's making it big, and I'm so proud of her. So I want to give a big shout out to her. So, well, that's wonderful. She sounds like a great sister, and you are busy. And on top of all that, you also are a host at a restaurant, right? Yes, yes. I work at Applebee's. I'm a host. I'm doing my one man show, and of course, I'm a national sales director with the Empowerment Method. I love doing. All of this is love. Well, that's great. So how were you introduced to the Improv in Your Method? How did you find out about it? Through Rob Snow and his team, of course. And I asked him, Bob, how would you feel if I asked you if I could be on the Stand Up for Downs board and work with the Improv in Your Method? You know what his words were? He said, yes. And you're my right hand man, and I'm still his right hand man, and I'm still standing on my two feet, and I am, I'm doing everything right, and I'm doing everything what Rob tells me to do. I can tell by his eyes right now he's about to cry. So, Rob, <laughs> I don't you dare cry on me, boy. I'm cry on you. 
So Nick, you are clearly very busy now. You're involved in two boards. You have a you have two jobs, one yes. as a host, another as a sales director at the Improvenir Method. Yes. But your life was pretty different before you started the Improvenir Method. Can you tell us what you were doing before and, and how your life changed? So I worked at a grocery store. I started at the strip then for five years. Then I left that on the strip because I was a bagger and I just uh, put the maintenance stuff away and I used to clean. And I used to take grocery bags out to every customer's cars. I loved it. Then I did the same. All I did at the second was maintenance. Put them in, supplies away. Who wants to do that? I don't. (laughs) So that's beneath me. And I left because I worked there for 12 years. They didn't challenge me enough. And I didn't have no nowhere to move up. So you wanted a new challenge and you wanted some place where you could move up. And so you found the Improvenir Method. And yes. it sounds like that has really changed your life. Yes, it did. The whole reason why I'm working with the Improvenir Method and the reason why Bob Snow stepped up is because he's my brother. I had a brother before Rob. His name is Timothy James Doyle Jr. Lived in Scottsdale, Arizona for 20 plus years. He was an incredible singer-songwriter. And I can still right now listen to his music. He played the guitar and sing. I played the drums and I sing as well. He passed, he's 45 years old, passed away due to skin cancer. And so I was devastated. I was terrified. But since I'm with Rob and the Improvident Method team, this is my go-to. And I'm still entertaining everyone, and I want to make everyone laugh their faces off as we speak. This is my time to shine. It is your time to shine. And I am sorry about your brother. Thank you for sharing that story. I know that's not easy. It wasn't. It hit me hard. But I'm good. I'm with Rob. You know, if if I can jump in on that, just to kind of add on to what Nick talks about all this, actually, he he does have this one man show that he and I kind of, you know, I just I helped him write it. But it is really this incredible journey from that time that he did leave and decide on his own that the grocery store really was not challenging him enough for what his skill levels are. And then joining the Improvenir Method, and then and then shortly after his brother did pass, and then continue, and then he had kind of this family, you know, this other family besides his his family, which is an incredibly close family and amazing family. But now he had this other family, so it was this whole journey. And if and if you look at the last what is it four years since we started this here, Nick, he's had this. We call it the what do we call the show the roller roller coaster journey to success. Yes. And it really was. There was another year that went by where tons of success in the Improvenir program and we were getting national attention. And Nick in particular was getting national attention through the Improvenir method, but through some other things that he was doing and getting highlighted for. And then his mother developed cancer and then his mother lost her job of 20 some years. 
and then rebound and rebound. And it was just this whole thing that we've been on and yeah, being kind of together. But I think that all goes to what our family environment that we've kind of built with this. He's giving me way, way too much credit because, you know, there's been part of this journey where we've, my family has had challenges and things and having Nick at our side or even this team at our side to do what we've been able to do has been just a really beautiful thing. So. Yep. And here we are now. And, and here you are now. Yes. Well, it sounds like it's a great family that you have created and a great way to improve your communication. So let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So Rob, you've talked about the kind of the, the journey to get to the improvity method. So when you established it, what have you written as the mission for the Improvenir method? So the total mission is, I always call it kind of a ruse, and you people in speech and occupational and uh, physical therapy are very well aware of this because I remember watching my son, Henry, doing physical therapy at some point. I was in the room with him. And I was like, oh, he's just playing with toys. I remember saying that to my my wife. I go, he's just playing with toys. And she goes, watch how he's playing with toys. And it was all very methodical and very, you know, and I was like, oh, it's a ruse. You know, he's using the toys to get this other thing. And honestly, I kind of joke about that, but it is, it's a really fun way of building really incredible skills. And we're talking about skills like quick and creative thinking, focus and teamwork and voice projection, eye contact, adaption to change, problem solving, character development. I mean, all these things, plus a giant dose of self-confidence. So all these amazing things that of course lead to other things. So the mission statement is using improvisation to build skills that will greatly increase social workplace and lifetime opportunities for individuals with developmental disabilities. And you know, when I first brought it out, I, I mean, in my mind, I thought that was game changing. I would, I would use that in my, my marketing. This is game changing and, and groundbreaking. And some of that, you know, I thought maybe was a little bit of hyperbole. And now I would say that they're almost understatements. I mean, four years into this because of what we've been able to see. Well, that's an incredible statement in and of itself to go yeah. from potential hyperbole to an understatement. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You might even want to change the mission statement and add some more. <laughs> I know. I got to add something. I know. But it is true. Jennifer, can you speak to, to that a little bit? I've kind of watched this group and you guys from afar because of what you're doing and because what you're doing is kind of what I was trying to do in terms of getting people to use their voices, you know, to project, to have a reason to have clearer speech and we haven't done a great job of that as therapists at times because we have to manufacture it. So your ruse story really speaks to me because that's kind of what we do as therapists. But, you know, I'm just listening to Nick and knowing what you're doing. I get so excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we're, we're trying to do, but you're doing it with purpose and you're giving people a reason to get up there and to use their voices and, and what that can lead to. And I, I, I keep wondering, gosh, is this, you know, you're doing a much better at speech therapy than I think some of us are. How do you, what do you see with people that kind of come in? Does their speech get better? Are they more likely to keep using their speech for everyday activities, especially for older people with Down syndrome, yeah. because there's not a lot there. And your program seems to me like this 
great opportunity for older people to have a reason to use their voice. So it's such a great question, and I wish I had a really amazing answer for you. The reality is the expression gets better. Expression gets better for sure, One, you know, 100%. It, it's that piece of it. And we, out of those 10, I did. we did have two individuals who really had challenges speaking. And, but they both just had like this personality that just exuded. And, and you know, the, the phrase, I think, I think the phrase is presume competence, right? At all times. And, and that is what we miss too many times. I was just explaining this to somebody the other day. Don't ever let their lack of ability to, to express themselves make you think they can't understand what you're saying always. And so once you get that, once you know, they know exactly what you're saying, then you know that they're trying to express themselves because they hear you, but they're doing as best they can. So we do get better voice projection. So going to the specifics of what you all do, and, and I, I brought in our speech therapist, my son's speech therapist, a couple times to watch and give notes, give ideas. And she took ideas away as well, which was really cool. But articulation improves. So for the two individuals in that original class, we did get an improvement because we have a measurement, you know, surveys from parents and, and even case studies and things like that. One of the really interesting things is one of the one of the ways we evaluate the program, we have three ways. And I'll start with kind of the last way, but the last way is that we do case studies. So we we do some di- deep dives into some in- individuals. We did a deep dive on Nick. You know, his was pretty easy, but because he just did all these things afterwards and you know, kind of asserted himself in such amazing ways. But the one individual I was speaking of that really had some challenges with articulation, to this day, you would you would have a tough time understanding her unless we got her in class. And then in class, you would see somebody different because she knows in class to very much slow down. But she started working at a restaurant and she they put her in back, kind of like Nick was talking about, where it was more yeah. like, prepping food and washing dishes. And yeah. like I said, this person just comes on, comes onto the stage and just, oh my God, you just want to watch her do whatever she does. And she's just the sweetest human being ever. And so she was miserable. You know, I've never seen her miserable in my life. And her parents were saying, oh, she hates it there. She's miserable. And then one day the manager noticed this. It was a good manager. And he noticed this and he said, hey, Teresa, why don't you go see if anybody in the dining room needs anything? you know, or bust the trays and things like that in the dining room. And she went out there and then the manager said, because we interviewed the manager and he said, he looked, he, all he heard was laughter and his worst fears were coming to him. <laughs> and he looked up because he was thinking there might you know, be laughter at her or something. And it was laughing with her. She was laughing with them. She's hugging them. They are just from then on, she would refill drinks. She would wait for people while they got their food. She would bust tables, but it was always in the public. You know, like Nick said earlier, when he worked at the one job, the one part of that job, which was bus, uh, bagging and taking food out to the, he loved it. They put him in the back and they stifled him. And so that is what we see, you know, this expression coming out, confidence coming out, assertiveness coming out, along with voice pr- projection. I wish we had the secret on articulation and some of that, which you all do, but, you know, I hope to be able to partner, continue partnering with with all of our our speech therapy partners. I think it could be a really great mix to continue to find these games that can bring this stuff out. 
what would you tell a parent that would say, well, my child can't do that. You know, Nick is, he's special. He's, he's a rock star. I just don't really know if that's going to work for me. I would get down on my hands and knees and I would say, please try, just give us a few classes. And that's really all I can do. I can direct them to our review page of our website, which is full of amazing parent reviews. But then people don't always believe that, right? Or they, or you don't put the negative ones on there. And uh, of course, we've never had a negative review. But you just have to kind of get in and see it. And guess what? The parents have to leave the room too. You have to get the parents out of the room. That's a big <laughs> thing of ours. You know, you guys. I'm sure. I I don't think I've I don't think I've ever been in one of one of Henry's speech therapy appointments. You know, I am waiting, or my wife's waiting. You have to because what happens is. Too many times you do have the parent who is just on top of it. She asked you a question. Now, what did you <laughs> say? And what you said last night, remember? And then they're just prodding them and hinting. And I get so much more when they're gone. Such big personalities come out. And so the parent really has to kind of see that or give it, give it a little bit of time to see it. You know, I did just have a parent yesterday say to me, I wished, and she's done private lessons with us. She's been in every single thing that we could do. Our live classes here in Northeastern Ohio, online classes, every single thing. And she's a tough parent, by the way. But <laughs> he said, I wish it would have helped her social more. And I went, I was like kind of surprised about that. And I was like, she's like one of the most engaging social people in our live class. And so what I think is happening is just there's a, a situation where you know, when she's away, there's this. And when she's with the parent and, and that does happen. So I'm not saying it's, a, it's is it going to be a hundred percent effective? No, but it's always moving forward. We are always moving the needle forward on all those skills I mentioned. Yeah. And there's just not a lot for people that are, especially between that high school and whatever's next phase, you know, we can see a lot of skills even regress because there aren't a lot of things to keep them engaged that they enjoy or to give them that independence apart from mom, like you were just saying. Well, we've done a little so bit of a disservice. this seems perfect. Yeah. We've done a little bit of a disservice in this world with jobs for individuals with developmental disabilities. We've come a long way. There's been great laws that have been passed. However, there is a pigeonholing of it. You know, where it's, oh, well, great, we can, we can certainly do that. We can employ these individuals and they can stock, we can, they can sort things over here, but there's not this concerted effort to, to really find out who they are. Like, like I would in an interview situation, or I would be looked at and it, what are my true skills? And so you take a Nick and if Nick doesn't find that opportunity, or if he doesn't have a job placement provider that really can can dig that out for him, then he is relegated to something that is beneath him. And that's that's unfair. That's what this whole program is really trying to get to, is finding those better opportunities in life. And that's why I didn't limit it to just workplace, but it's lifetime and it's social. And it's really everything. I agree with everything that Rob just said. Yes, but I have a better job now. I'm in the restaurant business. I'm a host. I'm looking at Applebee's. And by the way, this is my first time in a restaurant business there is. And I love it every moment of it. And I'm going to keep going with it. 
Because it's people. I mean, that that host job is really terrific. It is just people all the time. And think think of the, I think there's that study, I forget the percentage, but the amount of customers who prefer spending money at places that employ individuals with developmental disabilities, the morale of the employees at a place that employs. I mean, it's it's all like through the roof stuff. So yeah, it's it's really that's that's the goal here. Well, that's great. And it's great to see how this class and course and relationship with your team members and with Rob that really catapulted you into a different job in the restaurant business, but also you're you do sales for the improvenir methods. Yes. Yes, Can you I tell do. us about some of your responsibilities? Yes. My responsibilities is to one is to promote our programs. I get to book the booth. And that means when I say book the booth, I sell and promote our programs. We have live and online classes, like Rob just mentioned. We have one-on-one sessions. We have a three-hour propaganda workshops. We're trying to license our program so that way everyone in the country can buy our program. Nick, I'm just going to, I'm sorry, because I, I, I don't want this to be missed either. And Mary Beth, I think you were a, a recipient of Nick's sales skills, if I'm not mistaken. I think he grabbed you at the conference. I did, yes, too. Presented our program to you. So yes, I did. He is, he is extraordinary at that. And so when I first named him national sales exec, yes, a little bit because we don't have like a full national sales team and really the salespeople are, are Nick and I, but yeah. and then you just watch him work at these conferences and you go, yeah, that's, I couldn't have anybody sell this program better because one, he's the living example of it. And he teaches me new things every single day. One thing that he did not touch on is last year, he was voted in Stark County where he lives 20 under 40 leadership award, which has never been given out in Ohio to an individual with a developmental disability. It's true. So other people are seeing his work too. Goosebumps. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. so awesome, Nick. Good for you. Thank Good for you. you. Well, I, I want to get a little bit into the potential of licensing it because I think that's where speech language pathologists, especially working in schools and other programs, might be able to pass this information on. But can you, before we get into that, can you tell us, like, can you just give us a brief overview of how the course works? I know you meet yeah. every week. Yeah. So so the courses, Nick kind of mentioned the different varieties of the courses. You mentioned COVID earlier. That was almost we're kind of a COVID success story because we took uh, our classes online, which I never would have considered or even thought could happen. I don't think any of us thought we could use online in the way that we have, but look at us now. But we were able to do that with about 75% of the games that we created for this program. And so by doing that, we really started spreading it around the country. I mean, we started with five classes with one organization, you know, one a week, And then by the time that was done, they asked for another five. And then within a year, we had 40 classes a week going around the country. I mean, just it was just like through the roof. So that's one program. But basically, the the licensing and certification process is groups will license our program. So you get everything that we've developed. You get you'll license a level one program and youth program, actually. 
that's 40 classes. So that's about a year. You do one class a week, and then you each session is 10 classes. So there's four sessions in a given year. I didn't mean to bring math into this for people, but this is all this is all on the website if you wanted to go check it out. But you also have a lot of online presence. So you get taught then by myself or one of our, our lead director, Liz Katinsky. And she actually she's our chief of operations now. But so she teaches online and then she comes out to finalize the teaching in a live environment with actual participants. And then you become certified. But then we always we have this kind of continued assistance as needed to help get through all the classes. There's a ton of customer only pages online. You can watch videos of each of our games. If you forget how to play one of the games, you can watch a video of how it's done. The really cool thing though, and this is, this is, I think the big difference in our program. And there's some programs out there I've seen that certainly use improv. I'm for every one of them. Competition is great because I'm just more excited about this being out there and this being used to teach in individuals with all developmental disabilities. But the really exciting things, we have a pretty proprietary, I use that term in quotes, we haven't officially you know, made this proprietary yet, but it is trademarked. But it's what it is, is an evaluation methodology. And we worked with Dr. Anna Espenson out of Children's Hospital of Cincinnati, the uh, Thomas Center for Down Syndrome, who's a behavioralist there. And I said, look, I want to find a way to measure these skills. What do you think we can do? And we came up with this way that where we ask or we play games, the same games we play on the third class. So we we let them have two classes. And then on the third class, we have all these games that hit every skill level or every skill point that we're trying to measure. And then we give them a rating, a scale of one to five. You know, five, they can, you know, they're great at that skill. One, they really don't have that skill yet at all. And then a year later, almost at the end, we do the same evaluation again. We give them another rating. And so that's how we've been able to measure the progress. Now, that being said, we have eight or nine programs going around the country that are still in their first year. So within a few months, we'll probably have this a much better model group for this. Currently, we have 10 individuals you know, who've done the full year. That's Nick included. But just from that 10, I was talking to a, a person who does medical research. He's a scientist and does medical research for the Down syndrome community. And I was telling him about this and he said, I said, yeah, so we've got this great study where we measured 10 individuals and he had to correct me real quick. And he goes, well, I'm sorry, Rob, but with just 10, you don't have a good study. (laughs) No, but we've got a hell of an assumption. And so (laughs) I said, I'll take the assumption because I think I know how it's going to turn out. But whether we need that or not, I'm not sure. I think, honestly, the proof is really just in the pudding on all this. We'll keep measuring it, which I love. And I think that's strong for parents. I think it's strong for grant opportunities and things like that. And it, and it tells a great story. But when we really dig in, what I really love most is the second way that we evaluate the program. And that's our surveys. When parents can tell us what happens after the class is over, when the participants themselves can tell us what it means to them, that's, I think, where we get the most excitement out of it. Absolutely. We do so much more than just the speech piece too, right? We're social communication and those pragmatic skills and that 
quality of life measure where I want to use my voice. I want to make friends, right? That's that's tough for a lot of our kids. But this yeah. is one way to do that. Gosh, if it, even if it's just that, that's enough. <laughs> More than enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We actually just sold our yeah. first license to a university, to Texas A&M University. And they couldn't have been more thrilled to do this. They, you know, kind of Google searched us. So they weren't following us or anything. They just Googled it and said, oh my gosh, that seems amazing. And it was kind of a match made in heaven. They have a school down there for individuals with developmental disabilities called Aggies Achieves. And so that's, it's for them right now, but then they're going to work with us or they'd like to work with us to create the curriculum for their possibly their physical and speech therapists oh, also yay. for their those studying you know special special education so oh, we're that's very exciting yes <laughs> that is really exciting well congratulations nick Thank were you part you. of that sale yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i was i emailed our director this i told her make sure to tell texas a&m that we greatly increase social and lifetime and workplace opportunities with Down syndrome. And guess what? They did that. And that's the reason why Texas A&M are now working with the Improvement Method. <laughs> well, you are a good salesperson, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So Jennifer, we've talked a little bit about how this could be paired with speech language pathology. What do you see? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of most of us work with our little our little guys, right? Our two year olds, you know, school age kids. And because I've been doing this for so long, I'm now doing you know more teenagers and adults, and it's it's really shocking and really sad to know that there's really not much going on for those age groups, not only for speech therapies, which are, you know, which are really thin, paying for speech therapies, and then trying to find social and then educational, right, post-educational from high school, getting jobs, and we're making some strides there, but even just why would you want to improve your speech and language if you're not engaged in your communities, if you're not with friends or you're not looking ahead and we just haven't provided a lot of those spaces and so when i heard about the improvenuers you know i put it in my talks i <laughs> here's something that seems to me without knowing really much about it but i, I can't it, just the idea of getting on stage and getting to use the personalities in a way that's meaningful that it seems like there's just endless possibilities for that so I am glad to hear that there's a program where maybe people can listen to this, learn more about it, and use it. In in so many, I mean, my mind is spinning. I can think of so many ways that what you're doing can be used. Gosh, even in high school theaters, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's so fun for me to think about it, but it's so big. Sometimes it's kind of scary. But even getting parents to know—that's why I kind of asked that parent question because they're not sometimes sure that there's anything left either. And letting them know that hey you guys are out there this is out there and there's other things like this out there and how can we as slps push them families really even towards something like this that, that's meaningful after school is done mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm also thinking that this would be a really good program to 
bring into you know the mainstream curriculum as well and have right. students with developmental disabilities as those with other students. Have you thought about that, Rob? Have you done anything? It's it's definitely an idea. I love, you know, programs like Best Buddies and 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 Buddy Up Tennis and things like that where they are, you know, kind of mixing and infusing those with developmental disabilities with the, you know, kind of the neurotypical environment and having them work together. I love the idea. And I actually, we talked about this just last year, starting to do something along those lines, because it is helpful. You know, it is helpful if I, if I'm teaching a class and it's more of a newer class, I'll try to stay in a game with the individuals, you know, that are having more challenges or I'll put Nick in, you know, that's why Nick's an amazing assistant director for all of these because I put him in so he can be that example and pull people pull people along. If I put two individuals together that are both, you know, having struggles with it, with the game, we're not going to really get anywhere. So I do like that idea of kind of infusing it into the bringing in those who are more neurotypical to be a part of it as well. Yes. So basically what all of you guys are saying is people like me that has Down syndrome, right? We're not going to change for no one. We have a seat at the table. We have the voice. And the most importantly, if they buy this program from us, just come, be yourself, have fun, and play with all of these awesome improv games. That is what it's all about. The improv method, my motto, is we have everyone's backs and we will continue to do that. And the probably method team will have their backs as well. Like for an example, Rob has my back, right? I have Rob's back. Liz has my back. I have Liz's back. Me and my improvement team. My improvement team has my back. I have their back. And we will continue to do that. And we're not going to compete with each other. We're not going to think negative. All we're thinking about is being positive. We got to think. We got to listen. We got to stay Would you home. say speech is fun? Mm. <laughs> 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 it's I learning love. how to talk a lot and make people laugh. Isn't it fun? Yes. <laughs> that part I love is to make people laugh. <laughs> And we will continue to make people that as well. Well, we've had some positive chat going on here while we've been talking. Someone said, Nick is amazing. Someone asked for the website and Rob, you put that in the chat. But for people who don't see the chat, who might be listening at a later date, can you tell us what your website is? Yeah, theimproveneermethod.com. Improveneer, I-M-P-R-O-V-A-N-E-E-R method.com. Check us out. So that's an email. Shoot me your email and shoot my my manager an email. (laughs) All right. So if anyone else has any questions, we welcome those. And back to what you were just saying, Nick, you have so much to teach so many people because if everyone thought the way that you do in the workplace, that everyone has each other's back, in the workplace and communities, uh, this world would be a better place. So, yes, yes I believe um, that every day, every day, I believe it. 
And and now someone on the chat just said, Nick made me cry with his enthusiasm and his positive attitude. So see, <laughs> you are doing good work. <laughs> um, Thank you. All right. So we just have a few, we have a little while here. What Could you take one of your games and describe it to us just to give people oh. a better idea? So I imagine they come in first class, you do some icebreaker games. You get to know each other, and then you start playing some improvisation games. So can you tell exactly. us about one of your favorites? Yes. My favorite game is because I've been in so many plays. So I love scene work. My favorite games, personally, I love a game called Three Lines Things, Take Two, and Freeze, and Click Thing. So what we do, you know, there's warm-up games. So we have a physical warm-up. And we have a mental warm up, and the physical warm up is something where we're going to kind of use our bodies a little bit more and do something more physically. Mm -hmm. The circle game where we kind of just you know use our voices and move our hands a lot. You can shout, you can whisper, we can you know we we modulate a little bit, and then from our kind of get our brains going game, we play a game called Quick Think, and Quick Think is really just you know you bring up a topic and you go around the room and just first thing that comes to your head. And it's really, and, and then as the groups grow, you know, it, initially it can be kind of like, they can have a little time to think about it. They can say the wrong thing, but as it, as it goes up in classes towards the end of that first year, and then starting the second level, I mean, you can be eliminated if you're not quick enough, if you say the same thing as somebody else. And then Nick described, I mean, all these games, there's, there's a game set methodology where, and you guys probably know the term scaffolding, I'm sure that's something that you've used before, but, you know, really building that foundation be before bringing on the next foundation. You know, when I went to improv classes at Second City, it was like, here's five classes this week, and then you go in the next week, here's another five classes. Well, here we're much more deliberate. Here's five classes this week, and then the next week we might throw in one or two more, but we really need you to kind of perfect or at least get the basis of these classes because these classes are teaching you these skill sets at a really fundamental level. So we can't get to three line scenes, which is scene work, which is, you know, two people and they've got to be physical. So they've got to imitate on stage. I mean, for those of you familiar with improvisation, you don't have props out there. You might have a chair on stage, but that's really it. So you are pretending to type, you are pretending to eat a sandwich. You're pretending to make a sandwich, to brush your teeth, as Nick's doing right now. So that's the fun of it. But it takes a while to get to three-line scenes. And you get a relationship, you know, with, with your scene partner. You might be brother and sister. You might be co-workers at McDonald's, you know. So it's just really, those are, I think, the great parts of each game. I think one that I always point out just in, in one that we created, a couple that we created, really to point towards how this can really teach to you know, workplace improvements. So we have help desk and then we have customer so help desk is basically somebody's coming up and asks the help desk person sitting at a help desk. Like, you know, that person says, what do they say, Nick? What's the help desk manager say? Can I help you? Yes. And I will ask for something or the audience will ask for something for me. And then Nick, if he's manning the desk, has to, he kind of pretends to type it in and then he goes to a closet and he looks and if it's a, you know, it might be alligator and he's got to like lift an alligator and bring it over. And then that person has to take it and use it. Take it. Come on. Take, take it. it. Oh, thank you. 
And right. that person has to use it in some way as they walk off stage. The next one is customer service where we up the game a little bit. Now we've got a problem and the person coming to the desk has a problem. And so what can I do for you? And I have a problem. And that the customer service desk has to say, so I'll, so I'll, because the first iteration of this game is called so I'll, so I'll help you with that. And then they have to think of the, a problem. And that's a really cool game of building a really amazing skill of problem solving. And you wouldn't believe the answers they come up with. It's just incredible. So those are two. Those are just a few that come to my mind. Very bad. Well, it does sound like so much fun. It does. It does. You guys will come to Ohio next year and watch us perform at our big show. Hey, I'm in Ohio, so I'm going to see you one way or another. Good. (laughs) Good. And how many games? So you mentioned a couple. How many games do you have? Have you counted? Maybe at least five. In a class, we do about five to seven. And then we have to kind of go with like the, we have like if time games. So we have it really built in down to our science now. We have our two warm, because sometimes we might play one and it's just really just hitting, hitting great. And we'll just want to keep playing it and building on it. And then other times we'll play one and it's just a dud. And for whatever reason that night, it just is not working. And so we need kind of our if time games to add in there. But classes are generally 75 minutes to 90 minutes. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So we keep them. Time. It is. Yeah. I think the hour just got, that was too short. And then two hours was a little too long. You do lose some attention at that time. But 90 minutes is usually, you know, right on track. But yeah. I mean, there's probably over 100 games, I would say, in the in the mix completely. I mean, I'm not going to take credit for creating all those. We um, created some, but we scoured books of, you know, great people before us that that wrote these amazing books, some that I even, I, I was even taught by. So it was kind of cool to read their books and remember them teaching me. So it's it's been, yeah, it's been such an experience. Wow. So exciting. All right. So we have a few more minutes and we do, we don't have any questions right now from our audience, except someone did ask if you have videos on your website to show us, yes. to show the classes. Yes, we do. Yeah. Please go to the website, check out our please videos. Go to the um, website. You'll see a lot of different kinds of videos. You'll see performances. You'll see different. We, we had, you know, Inside Edition did a piece on us, another nationally syndicated program called The List did a piece yeah. on us. AOL did a neat piece on it. So it's, it's yeah, you'll see some of that, but you'll also everyone, see some live things that we put together on there. Everyone interviewed us. And let me tell you what, we are rock stars and we will continue to rock it. Right. Absolutely. You are both rock stars. So can you tell us about any, any other one of your rock stars and someone else on your team? I know you mentioned so Tony earlier, Tony, yeah, Tony earlier, yeah. Another um, team member who had her was able to have her job changed after she took Teresa, the course. Yeah. So those are two success stories. Any other ones that you'd like to share? So Audrey Costello Audrey, is kind of Nick's counterpart. She works with us as well. She's an assistant director as well. That's kind of where her duties stop, but that's where she, you know, she's. She works in a hospital, you know, working with patients directly. I mean, she's absolutely brilliant. Put her and Nick on stage together. And it's just like, I mean, it's, it's, who am I thinking? I'm thinking of two old, older stars, <laughs> the, the ones that dance anyway, like Gene Kelly and anyway, amazing people, but they're like, they're just so in sync and so perfect together. 
but really that whole group, like I said, we have kind of five or six that we, you know, perform with around the country. We're actually going to Canada in, in a few months as well. So we'll be international officially. What we do, one thing that Liz does, our operations manager, she puts of all of our participants, she'll put like the job when they get new jobs. Cause we really emphasize that on our, you know, our LinkedIn, on our emails, on our social media, we're really trying to emphasize like, Hey, new job, new job opportunity for so-and-so, you know? And so we'll just have people from all around the country that have taken even online classes that just got the starring role in some play or just got a new job as a host at, you know, this place or, you know, all kinds of things. So it's been really neat. We've had, oh, movie stars have been on it. The young man oh, yeah. who was in Peanut Butter Falcon. Sagan. In it. Yeah. We're very tight with the group. There was that A&E show called Born This Way. Born This Way, yeah. That won several Emmys. All of them have, or most all of them have done this program, either live or David DeSanctis, who's a- David, I remember. Been in a couple movies. I think so. Yeah, it's been really fun just to kind of reach out and meet all these amazing individuals that just keep kind of you know, challenging the world and, and proving people wrong. That is so great to hear. Really, it's really been so fun to talk with you both. Let's see, we're, we're just about out of time. Jennifer, you just did put something in a chat, and I think that's a great point to discuss. So since our future participants will not be able to see the chat, do you want to touch upon that a little bit? So kind of a, you know, the, a big buzzword in autism for a long time now has been these executive functioning skills. And now we're finally in our field anyway, kind of looking beyond just autism, right? And how important these skills are, such as working memory. Everything you're doing is improving executive functioning skills. And I think sometimes SLPs tend to go for worksheets or, okay, I'm going to look this up and we're going to work on executive functioning. We're going to do it this way. But really, it's just the ability to, to have spontaneity in conversations or speech. And that's pretty much what you guys do. You get up there and you, you, you're not planning it. You just get up and you talk based on what's going on. So I kind of put that there for SLPs, just like, hey, these are things that we can kind of take away from what they're doing to really actually use executive functioning skills and improve them that may make more sense or be more meaningful the way that they're doing it versus the way of just kind of looking it up and playing a, a game that we read on a worksheet, for example. <laughs> mm-hmm. And really having the social motivation in the group setting and in front of an audience. We do have one last question, and I think I know the answer, but I'll ask anyway. Has your son Henry taken the course? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right, Nick? Yes. Henry is the little brother to the team. Sometimes the annoying little brother, sometimes the beloved little brother. But he <laughs> Yes, I agree energy. with that, Rob. You agree. He is definitely your little brother. He's taken the course. You know, he comes with me kind of inter- intermittently. He'll take he'll take the course. He he was just on an online, a new online one that he's actually the assistant director on for that one because it's it's for youth. He does. He just really gets it. I mean, there'll be times around it. I guess I don't realize how much I do it maybe around the house sometimes because he'll, he he just rolls his eyes like, oh, dad, are we going to play this again? Because I know we're going to play quick think, dad. So we do kind of just do it a decent amount around the house. And I really do use him as a guinea pig because I do think, you know, starting younger like that is, is key. It might not be a once a week deal, 
we have our youth program, which is really what we say is about 10 to 15 years old, can be in that program. And I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be against doing that once a week, but I think just to start to get these ideas and concepts built at that time, you know, will improve so much when they get into those adult programs. So Henry really is kind of my guinea guinea pig for it. And obviously I have incredible vested interest in it. I see, you know, the things that he can do and the, the creativity that he has, you know, there will be no limit. And I've got somebody like Nick and other team members who just show me everything that my son will be capable of going forward. So I'm just so excited to see what what happens. I can't wait for him to go to college. He's always worked. And and just my plug to you all, or my thank you to you all, it is a tough job that you have. And it is so appreciated. And I know you probably feel underappreciated many times. I get some of that. I don't get it nearly as much as you. I mean, we would teach this class for one and a half hours a week. And there were times that we would, you know, leave just feeling like failures. And I can see it. I mean, I see it in all the teachers now that I didn't see before. And I, but then I, you know, almost don't even want to, there were times when we almost thought, boy, is this even working? And it was just everything we could do to go to that next class to teach it because we felt so bad about that class before. And then we get in there and they just kill, you know, they just kill and they just rose another level. And you went, oh my God, that's what this is all about. And so everything you're doing is so amazing. And I, I, I thank you and your counterparts and your, your physical therapy and occupational therapy counterparts every single day, because honestly, I mean, we do, we do his school speech therapy and we've always done private as well. And I know sometimes that's not always, you know, sometimes that's a little bit frowned on. We've fortunately been in schools that have loved that and have uh, partnered with our private speech therapist so much and he is the he is the example and the benefit of it so thanks for all you guys do yeah oh and thank you too just real quick because really what i try to tell families especially is just talk right the only way to get better at speech is speech is to talk and that's what you guys do and so when i when i see a program that's doing that and that's it really that simple i think that's what you're doing and if we can look to you instead of just within our own professions and say, look at this, this is one way to do that. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you both. And thank you, Jennifer. We truly appreciate the work that you are doing. And we're so honored to have you here to allow us to share this with other SLPs. And it's clear that your program is working. Some things we mentioned eye contact, voice projection, problem solving, listening, focus, flexible thinking, creativity. Nick, you knocked it out of the park. (laughs) Why, thank you. And we are getting a lot of positive comments from our participants. They say you are both so inspirational. So thank you both. Thank you to all of our participants as well. I know this is a busy week and we appreciate you being here. Thank you to our future participants. So thank you very much, Nick. I will be seeing one of your live shows in 2023, one way or another. Good. Cannot wait. All right, Jennifer, I just might have you fly to Ohio. I think I might have to. All right. Okay. Thanks. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs for this episode and more.
Thanks for your positive reviews and support. I would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe. Keep up the good work.